Welcome to It's Your Hormones, the podcast that delves into how your hormones affect every aspect of your life. I'm Dr. Sahar Rokhead. I've been a doctor for almost 20 years and I'm a GP who's been working with patients with hormonal issues for 10 years. Let's dive in. Hi there, listeners. I hope you're well. So I'm just back from a trek to Everest base camp where I was the expedition doctor for a company called Earth's Edge. And I thought I would talk to you a little bit about it today. Uh, Obviously a little bit about the trek itself, but actually about the hormonal considerations I had to think about when I decided to do this trek. Now, thinking about hormones isn't necessarily the first thing you would think about when you want to do some sort of expedition. Like I said, I was going as the expedition doctor. So my primary concern was um, having my knowledge up to date for emergencies, the sort of things I'd see out there with the altitude, making sure my knowledge and medical skills were good for the people I was looking after, who an absolute pleasure and delight. They were absolutely amazing bunch. And then other than my own knowledge, the next thing would be my fitness because I need to be able to be fit enough to do this track uh, and also fit enough to look after people if they're unwell. So that's an extra layer of uh, feeling good when you're on the mountain. But in terms of hormonal considerations, I just think we don't talk about this enough as women, about how we always have to think about our cycles in the background of what we're doing. And certainly as a GP, I would see people coming in who were going on holiday or honeymoon or getting married. And they're like, I've just worked out my dates and I'm meant to be on my period during this thing and I do not want to be on my period on my wedding day or on my honeymoon or on this big holiday I've been looking forward to. So I've definitely been aware of that. And also for myself, I went traveling once for four months. Uh, It's quite a long time ago now, probably more than 10 years ago. And I wasn't as au fait about hormones as I am now. And I basically took the pill for those four months and just ran the packets together because I didn't want to be having horrible, heavy periods in foreign countries. But I think doing something physical and doing an expedition adds a whole new layer to your hormone balance and and doing these sort of things. Um, I think Serena Williams recently spoke about having to play on her period. I know some people, some athletes during the Olympics also talked about it. And I think it's good that we're becoming more aware of it. And I know the England women's football team have also talked about it recently. And I think it is important and You know, periods in the past have been like a shameful thing. We don't talk about it. Don't let anyone know you're on your period. And it's embarrassing. But it really does affect our performance as the athletes have spoken about. So it's important to think about it. So um, I'm definitely not an athlete, by the way. I'm just a normal person doing an expedition. But a few months before, I did start thinking about where I would be in my cycle when I was on this trek. And I worked it out and I thought, right, I'm going to get my period right in the middle of the track, which would be the hardest part of the track as well when you're at the highest altitude. And as I've talked about on the podcast before, your hormones and your cycle affects your energy, your mood. Some women can get an increase in muscle pain as well, which would affect their performance physically. 
So as I was saying, as a GP, when people would come to me not wanting to be on their period uh, for a holiday or wedding or big occasion, I would often give them a pill that stops your period, which is a progestin-only pill called Northeristerone. And it basically delays your period while you're taking it. And normally after you stop it, you get a bleed two to three days later. However, in some women, they can feel heavy or low in mood. And I've tried it in the past and had some mood changes. So I decided not to opt for this for myself. I did Kilimanjaro in 2019 and I took the oral contraceptive pill then and it worked really well for me. So I thought that would maybe be the best option for me again. But I started it this time and I felt quite flat and I wasn't low in mood, but I felt flat in my mood and energy. So I decided to stop it a few days before I travelled and I took it for about 12 days. So it was about half the pack and I thought maybe I'll just get a light period now before I leave and I'll be able to do the trek and not have an issue. So I was essentially trying to re-modify my cycle and start it at a different time. The reason for stopping it is I just thought if I'm feeling a bit flat and low in energy, surely I need all my energy to do this trek. And of course, three years ago, your hormones change, your body changes. So what suited me then necessarily won't suit me now. So I stopped the pill and I thought maybe I'll just get a light period. But all hormonal contraception shuts off your own production, even if it's only for 12 days. And unfortunately, my bleed decided to come on the plane. So I had to hike for the first three days on my period. But... It wasn't too bad, but, you know, when you're on the side of a mountain, you do need to consider things like the hygiene, the discomfort. One of the women who was on the trek told me she was also on her period and she used a moon cup while we were away, which is like a... They're not necessarily plastic, but they're small cups that basically you insert so you're not using sanitary products like pads or tampons. But it did affect her progress on the walk for a few days, um, which we discussed. But most of the women who were on the trek told me they were on the pill already so they could manage their cycle this way. There's some benefits to having your cycle in terms of energy and the fact that you get a burst of hormones during your ovulation that can help energy and muscle pains. Since the summer, I had COVID and I haven't felt right in terms of my hormones. So I tested them a few months after and I found that my DHEA level was low and testosterone. So I'm actually taking both of these now and I'm due a retest before the end of the year. DHEA is a hormone that's a precursor hormone that helps to boost estrogen and testosterone. It's an off-license hormone and it does need a prescription. And so is testosterone. And when I checked my level, it was basically the lowest level the lab measures. And I did this two months before I'm embarking on a huge expedition to Everest Base Camp, where you're basically hiking for six to eight hours every day for about 13 days. I think taking these has definitely helped with my training. Um, they're both steroid hormones as well, so definitely help with the energy. And as I mentioned, DHEA is also an adrenal hormone, so it can help your body cope with stress. In its own right, I kind of call it the vitality hormone, as it gives you some oomph and get up and go. And obviously, testosterone also helps with the muscle growth and inflammation. And I did find while I was away, I wasn't that achy. I was, I was less achy than I thought I would be. And I was less achy than I did Kilimanjaro, actually. And maybe the testosterone and DHEA helped with these things. 
As mentioned, they are off-license hormones and you'd need to see a hormone doctor to get these prescribed. And I would advise testing for these as well before taking them. In terms of supplements, I couldn't take my full cohort of supplements because obviously space is limited. You don't want your bag to be too heavy either. But I took my Altriant vitamin C, which is liposomal to help boost the immune system. I took a um, supplement which has got NAD in it, which is also very good for energy and cellular energy in particular. I took my methylated folate, as I don't methylate well in general, uh, and that's very good for hormone balancing, balancing stress hormones, producing antioxidants and heart health. And I took my ashwagandha, magnesium and melatonin to help with sleep because I've been at altitude before and I don't sleep too well at altitude anyway and CoQ10 and Maca. And I think these definitely also helped with energy. And as I said, this is my reduced supplement regime that I took with me. Melatonin is an unlicensed medication, also like DHEA. And these are things you also can't get from your GP, which I didn't mention before. So what I learned from being at Everest Base Camp, other than getting my hormones balanced first in order to do the trek is that being on the mountain was the best mindfulness teacher for me. I really went into this wanting to enjoy every step as I knew I'd soon be home and then I'd be missing the trip. So I really tried to be present on all the walks rather than wishing them away, checking how many hours we had left, just wanting to get to the tea house where we were staying. I really wanted to immerse myself in it. And instead of focusing on how hard I was finding the walk, focus on the nature, the people I was with and just being really, really present. And I'm not someone where this comes easily. So it really, really did help me. I also really looked to gratitude for all the people who had helped me get there. As I heard from an interview Jay Shetty did, that when he gets praised for something, he says thank you in a gracious way. And he does that not to be sort of egotistical and be like, oh, I'm so great at everything. But he's remembering all the people who got him there, whether it's his teachers or his parents. And I really did that because nobody does anything alone. And I really thought about, you know, the fitness classes I went to and the instructors who helped me, you know, my friends who had supported me to do the journey, uh, my colleagues who were keeping the clinic running while I was away so I could do these sort of cool things and uh, other people who'd encouraged me along the way. I really loved being immersed in the nature and, like I said, with the people I was with as well who were just lovely. And I found it really grounding to be away from our usual busy lives. There was some Wi-Fi, so I wasn't completely cut off from the whole world, but it was limited and that felt good as well to go back to basics. Also in terms of food, routine, getting early nights and early starts. And I also felt a lot of gratitude for the strength in my body that was carrying me up the mountain. And I really spoke to the people I was with about us being less focused on how the body looks and more about how it feels and what it can do. Now, when I got home, I did get really ill and I got a really bad ear infection and had to have a couple of days off and some antibiotics, which are not my first choice of medication normally. And I think it's because the adrenaline was carrying me through walking these six to eight hours every day. But despite that, I'm still very grateful for my experience. And I've posted lots of photos on my Instagram as well, if you want to sort of see the beautiful nature and just how wonderful and peaceful it was. So I hope that's given you a bit of an insight into my trek and the way I approached it, but also 
thinking about, you know, maybe if you're someone who works out a lot, maybe some hormonal considerations you need to think about around this, or if you're planning a big adventure and walk. So that's it for today and look forward to speaking to you next week. Thanks for tuning in this week to It's Your Hormones. Join me again next week to hear more real-life stories about how hormones can affect you and what you can do about it. See you next week.